to The Tenderness Revolution, a podcast about the stories of kindness, compassion and empathy that play out in our lives, because these deeply moving experiences describe what it means to be human and invite us into a new way of thinking about the world and each other. I'm your host, writer and journalist Yvonne Gavin. And every episode, I'll be asking a new interviewee about a pivotal moment of tenderness that helped shape the course of their life. Today's conversation is with the illustrator and animation director, Gary Andrews, whose approach to life, quite frankly, embodies true compassion. Because Gary suffered a devastating loss around four and a half years ago, the kind of loss that changes everything. Yet the way he's navigated his grief, by doing a sketch of something that's happened that day, something one of his two children have said, or something that he struggled with, or that's made him laugh, although he talks so beautifully in this interview about the guilt he's felt around finding pockets of humour and laughter along his grief journey and how he dealt with that. And then he's sharing these very relatable drawings every single day on social media in what he's called a doodle diary, building up tens of thousands of followers along the way. And the way he's done this has been remarkable because his honesty and openness and willingness to share the pain and the darkness and the struggles and the beauty and just how profound it all is. It's had a huge impact on so many people. It's helped so many through their own grief and their own struggles. And in doing so, it's helped Gary enormously too. And this is the circle of compassion and it takes courage. So this is Gary Andrews, also known as Gary Scribbler who you may have come across in the various interviews he's done in newspapers, magazines and on the radio over the past few years. He's an amazing illustrator, so look him up. He's worked in children's TV, he directed Fireman Sam and now he's working on Horrid Henry. But really, he's just a remarkable person. So keep listening to hear about his sad, deeply moving personal story that really is very inspiring but one that has a happy ending. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi, Gary. It's lovely to see you. Hello. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. So thank you for coming on the Tenderness Revolution podcast. Um, Yeah, it's it's great. And it's great that we get this, this chance to chat because there's just so much I'm really excited about talking about with you. Um, But I wanted to start off, as I always do, um, by asking you to share your moment of tenderness with us. So the idea behind the Tenderness Revolution podcast is that essentially our lives are made up of all these little stories stitched together. And when we shine a light on scenes where we felt a profound sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves, moments where we felt seen or understood or that we had a deeper relationship to the world around us, it's as though we're awakened to a greater sense of meaning and purpose. So, Gary, please do share your moment with us. Well, it's interesting because um, 
there's it's been an incredible journey since joy died um of growth and development but there hasn't been one major road to Damascus moment. There have been a series of little, a little small incidents which are built into a, a, a bigger change. Um, and I'm, I'm just sort of going through in my mind some of the moments that, that, that there have been. And, and I remember one of the first ones that really struck me was, was after Joy died. I mean, we'd lived our lives um, fairly secular, but we used to call ourselves secular pagans. We, um, we, we sort of, our spirituality was very much rooted in nature and um following the wheel of the year and 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 the the circle of life and all that kind of thing and um after she died that that side of thing became really strong and powerful for me and and we had we didn't have a funeral we had a a passing ceremony in the woods where we had a, a circle of about 200 people in the woods and we 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 had a ceremony where we kind of brought her spirit in for one of the better expression said things about her and then let her go you know, and, and we released her from our from our lives. And as we said that, it was November, it was quite chilly. And as we said that, there was a gust of wind and all the trees moved and a beam of light came down and hit the spot where we had a, some of her things in a... And it was literally this unbelievable... There was a gasp went around the circle. And that was quite an incredible moment because it made me realise just how much that kind of spirituality meant to me. That was a big moment. And it, that helped me on how I saw where she'd gone, what, what the death meant. And my children saying to me, you know, what happens after you die? And mm. nobody really knows. And, uh, you know, Christians think this and Buddhists think this and blah, 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 blah. And, and I said, what I feel is that, you know, we come from stardust, we go to stardust. And when we die, our energy just goes out there and you're everywhere. Mm. And if you need mummy, you know, she's that leaf, she's that breeze, she's that sunbeam, she's whatever you want her to be. And and as I was saying it to them, I realised that that's kind of how I felt as well. So that was quite a a moment, I guess, which made me more at peace with the concept of the fact that she'd gone, because although she'd gone, she was everywhere. Um, and then there were other little things that went all the way along, like moments of connection with the, with the wider um, community, where I was doing these drawings and um, people would comment and then I would share um, sepsis awareness things and and people would message me saying if you hadn't shared the signs of sepsis we wouldn't have realized that there's something wrong and my dad wouldn't have got into hospital and he'd be dead now and I, I've lost count of the amount of messages like that I've had which made me realize the strength of the connection through originally these drawings that got people's attention and then that message it was a two-way process it wasn't just me sitting there putting pictures out it was it was a dialogue with 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 a, a wider community and that was that was quite a sort of realization as well i think things like that have been steps throughout the journey mm, gosh both both of those are incredible i mean that the you know firstly the connection that you have experienced through sharing your illustrations it's it's really really profound that you firstly that you were able to express what you were feeling and and sort of process it and then articulate it and then have this reaction and this response it's been extraordinary yeah I mean I've had things like um you know on top of the sort of sepsis awareness side of things just the sort of emotional side of the drawings you know I remember I remember quite early on well about a year in I suppose or or, or six months in I did I was doing a drawing about my, the feelings and about the grief demon and stuff like that and a lady wrote to me and said um my my 
husband lost his mother or father or something about a year ago and he's not been able to process it and I showed him your drawings and suddenly it all came out because he went that's it that's what I've been trying to say and when you hear things like that you go wow okay that's I'm very lucky that I can help somebody else realize what they couldn't articulate and they can point at it to them, the friend, their friends their family and say this this is what I'm talking about so that's yeah I've 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 been incredibly privilege that I've had that ability to do that but it's also helped me of course mm. every time I hear a story like that it's kind of healing for me and it makes joy's death less pointless that the fact that we can help people through that and and you know so I say we still don't know we help people <laughs> me and her oh uh, oh please tell us about your journey with grief and um, going right back to your relationship with joy you got together was it around about 1998 and then married yeah 2000. Yeah, we, that's right. Yeah. Um, we met at a local theatre. We met through a love of theatre and drama and Shakespeare. And um, I was about 15 years older than her. So it was kind of, I, was, I felt I was very lucky. And um, she was tall and beautiful and kind and funny and talented and all that stuff. And, and you know, we just had this connection. We just, we literally, there's one of those days when we, we, we'd known each other for a little while as friends. And one day we're sitting and chatting and we turned to say something. We both at the same moment went quiet. And so did you just feel it? And we had this weird rushing sensation and realised we'd literally, literally fallen in love at the same moment, which was weird and bizarre, but rather cool. And um, anyway, yeah, and we had 19 years together and um, two lovely kids and loads of shows and films and all things we used to do and make together. And we were like this symbiotic relationship. You know, it's like one person, you know, Gary and Joy was like one word, you know. And then, yeah, in, in October um, 2017, um, I, I went to Canada on business and she got what appeared to be something a bit fluey uh, for a couple of days. And then I got a call saying, can you come home? Because um, she said to go into hospital. Um, so if you can get a plane home, that would be very good because it doesn't look you know, too clever. And by the time I landed, she was dead and um, it turned out to be sepsis. And, you know, suddenly overnight, everything turned around 180 degrees. And I found myself in my late 50s with two young children as a solo parent and a widower. And it was it was the strange, surreal experience that, you know, I mean, obviously it's like, you know, being whacked in the face of the frying pan. You know, you just suddenly stood there going, what 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 just happened? Um, yeah, it was it was pretty huge. But um Something you could never prepare for, you know. It's, no, I mean, it's... the thing is, you know, because of our ages and because of life, you know, you're kind of planning for the other way around. Mm. <laughs> the mm. law of averages said I was definitely the one that was going to go first. Um, and, yeah, I mean, luckily we'd, we'd covered both, at, you know, both eventualities in, in the practical terms, but never really thinking it would come to that, you know. So, um, but, yeah, it was one of those huge things where you go, Okay, so that just happened. So, what do I do now? You know, and I, but I, but I, I lost both my parents when I was fairly young. I was by the time I was in in a three year period between sort of from my late twenties to my early thirties, I lost both my mum and dad, and I had no siblings. So I was used to death of a close, you know, a close relationship. Oh goodness! I, wow, that's yeah, a lot of of grief and and loss. Yeah, I mean, I was well, was I was twenty when I think my, my dad died and just 31 when mum died I think so um but and they were in their late 60s um so it, they were young they were too young um but 
despite that, it was still the right way round. Mm. You know, you expect to lose a parent. I expected to have them for longer, but they went and the grief was there and you cope with the grief in the way that you cope with the grief at that point. And um, so what it meant when Joy died was that the practical side of grief I'd had experience with. And sometimes if it's your first bereavement, obviously the whole thing can be so overwhelming. So in a way I was lucky, Mm. if you want to look at it that way, that I kind of had that aspect of it kind of wrapped up. I knew the hoops you needed to jump through, which meant it gave me more time in a way to process the emotions. And of course the emotions you're feeling when you lose a partner, someone you've chosen Mm. to, to be with you, are different to losing a parent, to losing a child, to losing whatever. They're different for each kind um, of relationship. Yeah. And everybody's experience of that is going to be individual to them as well. Yeah. Um, but there was that, you know, incredible sense of, of um, this isn't fair. She shouldn't have gone. Um, and, and being angry at fate for having it that way around. Mm. And mostly, and, and very quickly, um, I got angry for her, not for me. Because at the end of the day, I was still there. Yeah. I knew I was still there. And I couldn't get myself into the poor me, poor me. I've, I'm, you know, why have I been left alone thing? Because I had these two lovely children and I had 19 years of absolutely brilliant memories, which is more than so many people have. And I very quickly became aware of that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my anger at her death was anger at what she wasn't getting to experience. Right. And it's still the thing that I think I find most upsetting now. And I, you know, I'm very much at peace with the fact that she's gone because, you know, at the end of the day, because of my spiritual belief and, and, and this whole cyclic thing, that is nature. It's, you know, it's a roll of the dice. And yes, it, she lost the role, which is, you know, awful, but mm-hmm. it's natural. But the, the bit that I find unfair is what, what she's not she's not seeing our children turning into these lovely young adults, seeing seeing our daughter becoming this incredible woman and being the friend that they I always knew they were going to be together and all that kind of thing. But that's what makes me really upset and angry these days when I think of it on her behalf. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. So uh, as a um, I mean, as a professional animator, that that's what you do. Um, you you started doing illustrations of family life and sharing them on social media as your doodle diary is it around about your 54th birthday yeah 54 55 something like that I forget what it was it's about a year and a half before she she died I was doing it just for fun I was putting these pictures out just it was a thing it was a thing I wanted to do because I wanted to do a proper drawing every day rather than all the digital stuff I was doing for my job and I just wanted to do something that that made me do a drawing every day Right. A diary made the most sense because you do it every night at the end of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. What happened today? And you do a little diary, something funny, something silly, something you thought of, whatever. And I just used to put them out there because it I put them on there because it was somewhere to put them to keep them. So you've got the diary, you've got the actual sketchbooks, but you've also then got a digital place where they're kept as well. So it was easy to sort of keep them all in one place and it would entertain my friends and, and the handful of followers that I had, you know, sort of thing. So that was what that was for, really. But yeah, then when she died, I kept it. By then it was a year and a half and it had become a habit. It had become part of my process, really. So I just carried on drawing. But obviously it, that became the focus of my thoughts was the grief process and the single parenting process and everything like that. And obviously that's what, certainly in the early days, that's what it was all about, the, the drawings. And um, again, I kept posting them because A, I was doing them anyway. And B, I thought, well, it will help my friends know where my head's at. 
you mm. know, because they can't all phone every day and check how I am. But if I'm posting these things, they'll know what's going on. So that's really why I kept posting them. There was nothing, no thought beyond that. Yeah. But then I think it was, you know, the, um, someone in the press got sort noticed them and I got asked to do some interviews and they went in the paper and then um, I went the one show got in touch and asked me to go on there and ask I did a little animated film that they asked me to do that was based around it and all this kind of thing and it, the whole thing just went crazy and yeah. snowballed and before I knew it, it there were thousands of it was it was nuts you know and suddenly I had this huge following that were following this 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 grief journey which was a little daunting at first you go oh that's that's a bit strange and it, am I exploiting something I shouldn't be, you know, but, but it's like, there's, it was never for gain or for money or anything else. And that's why I say about how very quickly when I was getting the feedback from people, I was realizing how important other people were finding it. Yeah. So that's when I said, right, of course I keep doing this. Mm. Of course, for me anyway, but also for them. It, it seems like, so there's like two parts of it that, that make it really fulfilling. There's the, the part where you're kind of you're actually processing what you're feeling in doing these yeah. drawings so it's always like self-counseling self-counseling yeah it's like journaling you know where you get all your feelings exactly. down but you're actually you're an, you're an illustrator so you're you're making it into a you know a drawing and you know obviously you you're incorporating words into it as well and and then there's the other part of it which is the the connecting part I think it, it can be so easy to underestimate how important that is to us and I think especially going through really difficult things I think sometimes there's a tendency to not share and almost to kind of retreat and to feel like well if I say this then somebody might think that and almost you know to kind of analyze what might happen if you if you actually honestly you know exactly that I think the thing I would notice quite quickly was when people would respond, they were responding to the everyday, the mundane, the honesty, the, 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 the universality of what was going on in it. And people saying, oh, I'm glad I saw this because I was feeling that and I thought I was alone in this feeling. And you're saying it as well. And I realize I'm not alone and stuff like that. And you go, yeah. OK, this is, this is actually quite powerful. Yeah. Uh, which made it very clear to me that it was a, re- a responsibility of mine to just be completely truthful in the drawings yeah. all the time and to not make anything up, not play to the crowd, not draw what I think people might want them to see, but just be completely truthful to what my feelings are that day. To And if I think, God, oh, this is a boring one and I'm drawing it thinking, well, no one's going to care about this, but it would. And that's the thing that was kind of, um, you know, eye opening in a way. And I think has proved the most useful to people is, is keeping it real, keeping it honest, mm-hmm. keeping it simple and mundane. It was <laughs> and, the, yeah, the honesty that made it successful, I think, was is what really people were responding to. Because you, I think you can tell, like, you know, you know. I think sniff it out very quickly if someone's being fake. And, and I couldn't be, because I wouldn't be true to myself if I was anyway, because the whole point of doing it for me was to let me know what I was feeling, you know, as well. So if, you, if it's fake, that's not, you know, that you're not being true to yourself, so what's the point so uh, it was um yeah it, it's it's been it's been really fascinating if I can step back from it mm. and look at it from the outside it's been fascinating mm. um but uh, it's, it's an interesting um you know it's an interesting journey because you were essentially using the the social media as a, almost like as a confidant and I think you know social media has had 
had such a bad reputation, um, you know, and it, almost as though it's this d- dysfunctional form of communication. And, you know, especially the fact that you're sharing with strangers and that's often what people you know, criticize it for. But actually, I think research has shown that it's easier to be open with strangers. Because Mm -hmm. when, you know, we're in relationship with people, and we communicate really difficult things, they obviously have feelings towards us. And then that agenda can complicate their response, or or what we're looking for from them, or also, um, you know, what we're willing to share and what, you know, we can hold things back because we're kind of editing. And so did you find that it was easier to share things on social media that maybe you couldn't have actually said to close family and friends? Well, I think just in practical terms, um, because you feel things at a certain point in time, you know, in, in the day or whatever, and that, you know, there aren't people there sometimes to say it to but you you feel like you need to say it Mm. and that in itself was a thing I mean I've never had any trouble on a one-to-one basis talking to people as you can probably tell um but but um but yeah I guess sometimes you know you just sort of think oh god they're just going to think I'm I'm being a bit self-centered if I go on about it or whatever you know which of course they won't and you're not that's the other thing and and in fact my friends have been extraordinary and, and and wonderful and I have been able to talk to them on a one-to-one basis about anything but you can't have a, a queue of them there the whole time to take it in turns to listen to it mm. so having the, the the social media thing that and being able to say it on there mm. and to be able to say it, as you say it, to strangers because the thing is your friend circle have something in common with you there's a commonality so you mm. have a shared experience yeah. and what's interesting about being on social media is you're getting feedback from people who you would never meet in real life yeah, you would never meet. I mean, my, my I've now got about fifty six thousand follow on on Twitter, yeah. and and they come from ev- from every continent, from every walk of life, mm. from far left to far right. Mm. Um, you know, every, every political, every, every religious. I mean, there's a total mixture of people, all of whom are lovely. This is the thing that's extraordinary as well. People that in if you met in real life w- that would have different political, social, whatever um, beliefs to yourself, who you would have nothing to talk to about. I have a dialogue with these people and because yeah. what is universal is is grief, is mm. humanity, and mm. it's there. Mm. And, um, and, and it opens up to that conversation. That's been incredible. It's actually such a privilege that you're able to connect and communicate with all these people. It, and it really it, is. Yeah. And it speaks to that sort of sense of, like you said, grief, you know, it's a universal human experience. All of us are going to experience it, or all of us have. And, you know, it, but also what you do is you talk about the everyday, you know, you talk about life as a single dad to two kids. And so many people, you know, can relate to, you know, what it is yeah, to be a parent. Your parents for a lot of different reasons as well. And that side yeah. of things, obviously as the initial pain of the grief sort of subsided and the single parenting kind of started taking over a bit and and it's it's now a bit of everything isn't it it's um mm-hmm. it's it's the grief still crops up occasionally but it's also about love and it's about parenting and it's about mm-hmm. the banalities of life and even those sort of things a lot of people feel alone in yeah and yeah and 
and it's nice for them to know they're not alone in that if they're struggling trying to sort of get their kids to school or or you know oh my god I've got to buy them shoes again and <laughs> and it's just you know those sort of things um which can sometimes feel like you're banging your head against a wall and just to see somebody else out there going yeah that happens mm. to me too I think is kind of you know raise a smile raise you know uh, give you a, a sense of relief you know anything I you know I just feel now I love doing it because I like I like sort of um cataloging the, 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 yeah. the strange little things of life these days yes. and in all its complexity mm, and I, it's, I I read that you're you, you keep all of the the actual physical notebooks and you have them sort of catalogued yeah, and, and sometimes your children will flick through them and yeah I'll, I'll come down into the living room sometimes and my daughter is sitting there you know going through one from about three years ago or something and looking at the old drawings and stuff yeah it's lovely, it's lovely. Um, I'm, I'm on book 16 now I think I'm on the 16th book so oh, um, it's so fantastic to have a record of all those little things that you know that you say to each other your children say and well it's interesting and, isn't it because we these days we all have our phones in our pockets and they've got cameras on it. we take thousands of blooming photos but a photo takes a photo of a thing but the thing with the drawings which has been on top of that is they're about a moment or an experience or a feeling mm-hmm. which is hard to take a photo of yeah but you can do a drawing of it and yeah. it gives you another side of your life to remember definitely lovely I mean you know to be doing that has been a lot of fun and I mean you know your drawings are quite remarkable there's so much feeling in them so you know the things that I've really noticed is that there's you know the expressions are really you know very very um predominant so you'll really capture a facial expression which you don't often get in a photograph you know like a moment and then you'll have like the thought bubbles on top of that so you know you've got like you know what I was thinking in this moment or and then what they were thinking or what they were saying and what I was thinking about you know what they were saying and and that (laughs) there's so many layers to it yeah it's it's really really capturing I'm very lucky that that's the way my brain works you know and I'm lucky I have this ability that I was born with this ability to draw and it's what I do and it's what I don't have to think about drawing is something I'm lucky see I don't think about the drawing that's the easy bit it's the what am I going to draw is the bit that becomes important. And that's, to me, what's become part of the process. And when I sit down every night at the end of the day, I'm unpacking the day. It's like a mindfulness moment. You sit there and go, OK, what, what do I what do I want to take away from today? And you go you go back through your day and, and you you do. You unpack it, you pull it apart and get this step and that. And then I do the drawing and they say the drawing is the last bit. And that's that's kind of I'm lucky that I don't have to think about that. But it's so, the thinking about what is the thing that, that, that to me is the, and this is what I say, I've, I've run workshops on this. And I've said to people, you don't have to be able to draw to keep a doodle diary. It can be stickmen because it's the thinking process that matters. And the drawing is kind of the bit of just getting that out of you and expressing and getting it down on paper. And if you've got a negative feeling, if you had a day where you've got, you know, the black dog of depression has been there or you've had a really bad grief day. Getting that down on paper, even in a little stick man with a little scribbled cloud above its head and going, I felt like this today it kind of exercises a little bit of that pain Mm. and you can put it on the paper and then you can do whatever process you want. I keep them because they're drawings that you can look at or whatever. If you feel, well, these aren't really proper drawings. I can't keep them. Part of your process could be the next morning. Maybe you tear it up or burn it or whatever, and you're letting it go back out into the ether. Maybe that could be part of your process. So, you know, there's so many ways you can use this kind of technique. I love the way you you describe that and actually describe what your process is. And I, I think it's incredibly helpful. And I think, it, you know, 
it, it is a form of self-discipline though and that's what I think has been the real you know where it's really been a success for you because even in the midst of you know the, the this huge tragedy that you experienced you you knew that it was a tool that that was going to help yeah. bring you through it, it me a way in to sit down for a moment and go this has happened I need a moment to process this feeling that I've had and quite often if you haven't got a way to process it you take that to bed with you it grows it gnaws inside you it eats away and you you, you get into depression you get into you know pain you get you get confused whatever um this is why people go to therapy they go and talk about stuff to get those feelings out which is great yeah and you know um there's a huge place for that this was my therapy yeah yeah it gave me a moment to sit and center and think Mm. and either be grateful for a thing and put that down or have something hurting and put that down and as I say by putting it down on paper a little bit of it evaporated and went away and you feel better Mm. so yeah it's incredible (laughs) like for me writing it has the same serves the same purpose and and I think it, I think, yeah, I think it would be so helpful for people to, to, to know about this and yeah, to implement it, whatever, you know, it is they're going through, even just as a, as a regular practice, it, it helps, as you said, to prevent those yeah. feelings from hiding in, in the body, which is, is it's the worst thing. Bottling, bottling up any feelings is the worst thing of all. And, you know, I mean, when Joy was alive, if we'd ever had a day where we'd had a little bit of a disagreement or something like that, I mean, we were lucky we didn't really argue ever. But if you have one of those days where you're like, mm, you know, we never made, we, we made sure we never went to sleep with any of that there you know you'd always mm-hmm. make sure that you'd, you'd vented it you know don't go to sleep on an argument you know that whole thing mm-hmm. we would make sure that we'd cleared the air and we knew where we were mm-hmm. um and you're doing that with yourself you're clearing the air with yourself with your own with your own feelings you've, you've got a thing that's that's sitting on you let's confront that and let's let's get it out and, yeah. and either by by journaling by drawing whatever recording mm-hmm. whatever you've got <laughs> baking i don't know whatever it is that you do yeah. To, to, to sort of express yourself, you know, by doing that at the end of your day um, means you get, I've never had a problem sleeping since, you know, wow. some people have terrible insomnia with grief and stuff mm. like that, but because I've been doing this. Yeah. It's a processing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not holding on to stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But apart from the actual expressing, which obviously you're, you're a real natural at doing that and you have a, an outlet for that. Um, you know, being able to listen um, is is another, you know, really important aspect of communication. And I've been thinking about how, you know, as a as a single dad, you know, you were going through your own grief journey, but then your children were going through grief. And I I've been wondering about how it must have been for you to support them and listen to them like fully show up and really deeply listen when obviously you have your own stories yeah. and and also as a parent sometimes it's just so hard to see your kids in pain and to you know to want to jump in you know and 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 not and you don't want them to feel that but then you know you want them to express it oh it must be very complicated it, it, it is and um I think I tackled that head on right at the beginning um because I knew how I felt um I, I knew what they would feel. So I said to them, um, I'm not going to hide anything from you. I'm, I'm going to cry. You're going to see me upset. You're going to see me missing mummy. Um, I will tell you when I'm feeling things, please 
tell me when you are you can say anything you can tell me anything I'm there 24 7 you know and it's a two-way process we were in this together sort of thing I'm I'm not being I didn't go down the I'm the big strong daddy route I'm going to protect mm. you from all this I just said this is horrible let's do this together you know and I said it was seven and ten when she died so it, mm. they were young mm. um but we we did that we sort of did it together and they would talk to me about stuff at bedtime usually um you get the big huge the big huge life questions that, <laughs> when they're just about to go to sleep and you go oh my lord um but it was um yeah so we approached it that way really I just wanted to be there to listen for them and to let them know that it's not a sign of weakness to be upset or to you don't have to hide anything so that was kind of how I approached it with them really I mean yeah we would we would sit there at bedtime and they'd ask the questions and it would turn into quite a long you know you're thinking yes we're going to sleep but this is an important question so yeah. the answer to the question was more important than an extra 20 minutes sleep you know yeah. um so, so again yeah, just the, the honesty and and just fully I mean I think there's there's this tendency so often to want to hide things to protect you know children and actually our, our instinct as a parent is to protect them that's what you want to do you want to protect yeah. them the big bad yeah. world you want to protect them for everything but joy and i always had this um attitude with them when they were little that the best way they're going to learn is to get things wrong yeah oh they're climbing that thing well they're climbing that thing other parents go look at them up on the climbing they go, yeah but they fall off they'll learn they won't do it again you know and um so we i always we always used to let them make their mistakes mm. <laughs> and mm. then be ready to pick up the consequences rather than going no, no don't do that you know instead of don't do that you say I wouldn't do that if I were you, but it's your choice, you know. Um, and yeah. then if, if it went wrong, you go, see, I was right, wasn't I? Yeah. And um, and that was kind of the way we did we we did life with them anyway. So I kind of carried that over into 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 the grief, mm-hmm. really, of just sort of letting it be there. Yeah. yeah. I think you know, you're you're very comfortable with feelings, and I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people find feelings difficult they 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 try to not feel them and I think that's you know often in parenting it's you know they they don't want to feel the fear or they don't want their children to feel difficult things so that that thing of protecting but the truth is life is full of ups and downs like that is the truth it's just full of it like the way you draw you know the Mm. the roller coaster is like an image that, that comes up for you and that you know it's just that is the truth. I think it's really helpful to teach children to be brave and teach them that that is the truth, but that's okay. You know, it, it, it's okay because it's supposed to be the like bra- The bravest thing you can do is to say, I need help. I'm, um, you know, something hurts, whatever. Mm-hmm. That The bravest thing you can do is not to sort of cover it up and be strong, but to actually go help. Yeah. <laughs> the bravest yeah. thing you can say. That's, that's um, courage. Yeah, that's the courage that, that we you know, talk about on the tenderness revolution. And yeah, I fully, I fully agree. Um, but, you know, in terms of your relationship with your children through this journey, uh, I mean, so many of your illustrations, they actually depict how amazing their resilience has been, how it's really shown up. And I think there's one of your daughter, Lily, um, on the first Mother's Day after Joy's death. And it was so, I mean, I have to admit, I have had, I did have a little cry yesterday when I was, you know, reading through because, you know, your drawings, they just, they hit a nerve because I can just really imagine, you know, my children being in that position and, and 
or being they're real being you. I mean, that's the thing. They're, they're not contrived things to, to create a response. They're things that they said and did. And I think that's what probably mm. comes through because yeah. they're not perfect little vignettes of whatever. They are they are bites of a thing that happened in a day. And um I mean, and my son has always got this great way with words and stuff. And he was the one that on the um went out, we went out for lunch, and there's all stuff about mothering Sunday. And he said, We can have daddering Sunday, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And and yeah. you know yeah i mean it's interesting as they get older it's kind of harder in a way it's been now four and a half years since joy died and they're now you know my daughter's 14 nearly 15 my son's coming up 12 and it's it's slightly harder now because naturally at that age they are a little bit more withdrawn about their feelings mm, mm, and mm. it's slightly harder now to mm. navigate that and i'm having to be a little bit more patient and wait yeah. you know I can't when they were little they would just say everything yeah now yeah. now they hold it in a bit more and it's kind of you know I, it's tougher because I want them to go come on you there must be something you're still you know and but they're they're the, the age they are so that's typical of that age and yeah I mean I've got I've got teenagers and I know exactly what you're talking about because you're as a parent you have to make that shift and you have to understand that you just have to be more patient and you have to learn that if you hold back, they're going to come towards you. Like the more that you say, okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, you don't have to tell me, you know, in doing that, then they, they come and tell you, but you have to, yeah. you have to learn that. Like it's, it's, it's like all, all the different twists and turns of being a parent is constantly, you're constantly having to learn new things, aren't you? I yeah. Mean, and it, it, blimey. Yeah. And, and and you haven't got the um the pair of you there to bounce ideas off to go what you do and, and they might talk to one and not the other and blah. when it's just you on your own it you, you know you just think you feel mm. a bit outnumbered <laughs> outnumbered by life you I know a bit, so, oh. so oh my god they're both they're both in that phase now where they're just like you know i mean they're monosyllabically grunting or whatever and you just think but yeah, they're not they're brilliant i mean lily's lily has just recently got into um, emily dickinson and she's now writing poetry and stuff again oh. some poems when she was when when joy first died that were very little sort of you know little girl poems but rather beautiful she's just started again now I've just bought her I've just bought her a new journal for to do them in and she's she's just so heavy like we, there's that program on Apple TV Dickinson which she which I introduced her to because I loved it and I said you'll enjoy this mm. um, and she watched that she's now watched it like three times and she's just become obsessed with Emily Dickinson and I oh, bought her the complete book which is this gigantic book and she's now writing her own Emily Dickinson style poems you know which is rather wonderful you know? so, with, the, with the dashes at the end of the lines and, yeah and, those, and that's slightly surreal slightly but but they're beautiful I mean they took my breath away. she read me a couple and, and I'm like crikey this is this is Amazing. you know when your children surprise you like that it's I love that when they you know, surprise you and also I you know I'm almost always amazed I'm sure you know this has been the case for you at what you learn from them oh, yeah. I mean yeah, yeah, what yeah. you know what what have you learned from them in this journey you know, what- uh, well I mean I learned my first lesson from Ben um a couple of days after Joy died when he he was sitting there one evening and he was really sort of in a ball uh, and and suddenly he just released this anger this completely so angry that it had happened and he just thrashed and bashed on the sofa this this big leather sofa and he just pummeled the and I just said keep going mate do it do it do it and he just kept going 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 until he was he was spent you know and then made a big cuddle and went to bed 
and um a couple of days later when they were in bed one night I was sitting there and I felt the anger welling up inside me that, that he'd been feeling mm-hmm. and I remembered that moment and I just took it out on the sofa and I I did exactly what he did and and pummeled the thing to you mm-hmm. know till I was I couldn't move and felt so much better after and realized that, that was, mm-hmm. I'd learned that from him and then I went and bought a punch bag um so that we could have that and to, to take it out to save the sofa because it was quite expensive um so <laughs> so <laughs> and, and yeah we got the punch bag so then if you're feeling it you could go and just beat the living whatever out of the punch bag um but that was a big lesson that I learned from him straight away mm-hmm. the other lesson I learned from them as well was was to laugh mm-hmm. that to live in the moment to actually um to still be alive to to be to to live you know quite often when you when you're newly bereaved you feel guilty when you have a good day mm. <laughs> you know because you're full of pain and grief and then suddenly one day you find that day when you go oh I haven't been crying today I've been laughing and then you feel really bad about it mm. um and you, and you have a terrible evening because you suddenly had a good day and and I suddenly thought actually what why what, what she wouldn't want me to feel like this I need to live in that moment and and life and life and laughter and they have to go together and I think I learned that from them as well so well I mean yeah what amazing teachers children are and you know they really inhabit their bodies and I think that you know what you said about you know your son and how he he knew what to do um yeah I've I learned a lot always for my kids too um I think you have to be open you, you do you have to be and and noticing like willing to kind of be present and and take that information in sort of as it were but um you you mentioned earlier about the the grief that you experienced when you were much younger and I'm, I'm really interested in this this kind of capacity that you have to be so open do you think it was it came from your parents were they very good at, at being open with you funny enough not they, not really I mean, I, they were, I mean, I was born in 1961 and at that time um, they were 37 and 40, which in those days was old. Yeah. I mean, these days that's completely normal. I mean, God was older than that. Right. But, but they were considered older parents in those days. And, um, and they were of a generation where, you know, 37 was like 47. Do you know what I mean? Um, They loved me deeply they both came from very poor backgrounds. So they thought the best thing to, for, for me to show love was to send me to boarding school, which was done not to get rid of me, but to give me the best in their idea of what they didn't have, you know, from wow. having very poor backgrounds. Okay. So there was actually a little bit of weird distance, I think, mm. um, not in a bad way. It was just that we didn't have the closeness that I have with my children that I think yes. we try, try and achieve these days. They did it out of good intentions and mm-hmm. you know but it was quite hard certainly growing up I didn't have that and then as dad got ill and it, it, he, he he took like two years to die and over that two years mm-hmm. I think I got closer to him than I had done through my whole life and then I was left looking after mum for two and a half three and three years whatever it was mm-hmm. before she died mm-hmm. um and I got closer to her at that point mm-hmm. but I think I think and then I had children late yeah um but I think what what it what it meant what I remember certainly I think the openness I have probably has come um since I've had children um I think it's two things one is I'm interested in drama and theatre and stuff like that and that's about dealing with emotions and openness so being a bit of a sort of a bit of a arty type in that way I guess feelings are something I'll bang on about anyway but also when I had children of my own the thing I didn't want was the distance 
Right, between. yeah. Having uh, having uh, had that, yeah. My, and as I keep saying, it wasn't a bad distance between my yeah. parents. It was just they. It was all done out of the best intentions for them, and I loved them dearly, and they were the sweetest, loveliest people. And my dad was my hero. Um, but I wanted to be close to them. I wanted to be mm-hmm. open, to never hide anything, to be able for them to talk to me. Either there were certain things if I was feeling I when I was younger, I couldn't talk to my parents about that. I wouldn't know how to talk to them. I didn't know if they'd understand what they feel. Mine can talk to me about mm. anything. So you, yeah, you made like a conscious sort of decision to keep that channel open. Yeah. Cause you were aware yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And I guess, and I, I, I guess that works both ways. I made that decision because I've got that capacity to talk about emotion. And also by doing, making that decision, it opened me to talk about emotion. So, so it kind of self-fulfilled itself. If you see mm. what I mean. with, with regards to, I mean, the past couple of years have been, you know, have been weird, haven't they with the COVID pandemic and oh, the yeah. lockdowns. I mean, how, how you navigated that, I, I can only imagine. And it must, it, it wasn't, that long after after Joy's death, there must have been particular challenges that that came uh, up for you. Yeah. There were, I guess. I mean, look for the negative first. I mean, I, I looked around sometimes some other friends and families that were locked in together and seeing that there was there was the two of them, the couple with their children, thinking, oh, well, you've got that must be kind of nice. You've got that time to, you know, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was just it was just me and them. Yeah. So you think, wow, flip side of that is, of course, we really became very close in that time. And because I had a bit more time, I was lucky work carried on for me because I worked from home and I continued working through, although it wasn't the sort of pressure of work, the hobby side of life, the things we were doing in the evenings all went away. So I had a lot more time. Yeah. What we did is we used that time together. We, we did a lot of I, you know, we started watching old movies together, stuff that I'd love them to see that I'd never got round to, that I wanted to show them old, you know, old, I mean, stuff like Back to the Future, you know, classics from the <laughs> 80s. For them, like history for me is like yesterday, but also stuff from like the 60s and 50s. And, um, and we also, um, they're both quite arty, you know, they enjoy their arts and crafts stuff. And we had like painting days together where we'd all sit and just paint and, mm. um, and, and we made films together. They'd help me write them and then we'd, get workout costumes and build sets and we made little movies and stuff and so in actual fact for us it was a weirdly positive experience because I think we kind of needed each other I guess at that time and and and, and we had each other and it gave us a chance it was as only like you really got into the groove of being three it was like you really yeah. kind of understood what that was. Exactly. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And there wasn't the need for me to find babysitters because I had to go out and do a thing I needed to do and all yeah. that because there couldn't. Yeah. So we just yeah. spent 24-7. And actually, it was a delight, um, which I sometimes feel quite guilty about saying that we had a lovely lockdown. Um, but we kind of did. And I was falling in love with cooking at the time and experimenting mm. on on them with food and then I'd get them and then Lily said I'll cook this week and then she did all the dinners one week or whatever you know that sort of thing so yeah yeah kind of you know so I mean obviously we've gone back to normality now and you know we sit there grunting at each other from different rooms (laughs) that's all gone away but we carry with us I think what we learned during that time yeah I mean it's like the all the demands from the outside world kind of went away in that I think that was the enjoyable thing at the beginning wasn't it 
yeah it was I mean gosh it did get hard eventually you know you are missing people you know and I think we all did but but we were lucky we had each other again I feel that I'm lucky again I have a reasonably nice place where I live we had a garden you mm. know we were lucky to, be able to get out there I'm you know I'm not under any kind of illusions that I was living a very kind of middle-class privileged existence where I could, I could do that. And mm. I could take the car out to the local um, uh, farm shop to buy fresh vegetables. You know, it, yeah. it was kind of like, you could, some you people could. had it very bad and yeah. we, we were lucky um, in a lot of respects, but I, you know, I made, again, I made a decision to make it positive. Let's do some projects together. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's, let's do, let's do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you really did. It sounds like you did. And you made you took the opportunity to kind of become even closer, which is really beautiful. But also, I mean, like the the projects we're making, the the films we made were, although they were sort of fun little sort of fantasies in a way, they were about lockdown and they were looking at the the aspects of lockdown, but through kind of film pastiches and and we can look back at them now and you, you see the journey of what it meant to be in lockdown, but through this kind of fantastical point of view, that's almost like in our imaginations where we become scenes from different films and characters from films and stuff. And um, looking back at that now, it's quite interesting because it wasn't just making films about anything. It was making films about lockdown and it's become a record of that for us, which has been quite interesting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. The creativity that it sparked, but but then in you, you guys, I'm not surprised that that's how it worked <laughs> out. <laughs> um, but I, I read that you, you, you felt um, that something of the grief, you know, kind of came back in lockdown, and and then there, there were some tricky moments. And I, I, I've been thinking about the way that you depict joy you know especially in the early days but when you draw her you you draw her in this really beautiful way with this um use this white shading around the outside of her and it's a a bit like the um the the star wars the the force ghosts you know like when (laughs) when they come back like ben kenobi comes back and they're sort of glowing a bit and you know it yes it's it's that kind of sense of how she is in my head when i think about her you know the way you described in the beginning that feeling of presence do you think that is that how um is that how holly and ben experience her too do you talk about that um they uh they do um think about her they i think they feel her possibly not quite in the same way that i do but they certainly still she's very present in our Mm. lives Mm. I don't think a day goes by when we don't mention her in some way mm. Mm. Uh, as she gets talked about oh mum would have loved this oh, can you imagine can you imagine what mum would be saying now and and, and that comes up yeah. all the time so I I don't I haven't really you know what I haven't really talked about how they experience her but the fact they look at the sketchbooks like they do and they know how I do I'm wondering if there's an element of that still with them mm. but they certainly carry the the memory of who she was and the way that she would be experiencing what what's happening now mm. um so there's never been a denial that she's gone mm. um it's always yeah. mummy would have loved this i can imagine if she was here what she'd be so i kind of like the fact she's present even though the the, the absence is acknowledged um almost as though she's yeah. present in them sort of guiding yeah them. which is kind of ties in with what i was talking about yeah. right at the beginning about the oh, fact yeah. that you are everywhere yeah. she is everywhere 
and she's in us in that way and i mean it's that you know no one no one ever truly dies while they're still remembered is you know one of these sort of sayings and that that's absolutely true you know i think um but yeah they um yeah they still carry her with them i think in, yeah. in their own particular way whatever that may be and you know maybe they'll tell me one day whether, i don't know i haven't i haven't dug i haven't i that's the thing i, I try not to dig I, I let it come when it comes yeah yeah, yeah. and I, i'm sure it it will and it does and you know it's always relationships are always evolving and changing and so long as you yeah. keep connected you stay connected then you know these things Absolutely. they they come and and you just have to be there when they do yeah. so and and it's brilliant that there's a new chapter opening in your life now you have a new partner now Lisa and you've recently engaged yes congratulations thank you it's been quite extraordinary um and unexpected talking to your children about that it must have been hard I mean even though you're very good obviously at having difficult conversations it was I mean the initial bit I think it was it wasn't hard to say it was hard to bring myself to say to them yeah. I was kind of nervous you know it was kind of weird yeah. it was like the, the the role reversal had happened, yeah. and it was yeah. like, you know, especially to Lily to say to Lily um so you know right Lisa you know that, that you, we're seeing a lot of her aren't we sort of thing you do realize that I've fallen in love with her right you know and and um She's like, yeah. And, and it was kind of, they were so sort of matter of fact and casual yeah. about yeah. it. And, and um, but yeah, I was kind of nervous. It was really funny to sort of break it. And yes, I was saying, you do realise, of course, she's not replacing mummy. She's not, you know, it's not making anything go away there. You understand that. And, and that's the thing I wanted to make clear to them as well. That was that, although there's someone new, that doesn't mean that, that I'm forgetting joy yeah and 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 they were very clear on that and what's amazing is that lisa's very good about that she talks about joy with them and everything as well and she'll bring her up in the conversation and stuff and that's quite extraordinary and wonderful um and one of the many reasons i love her so much and it's kind of um a very important aspect i think when you do get into another relationship that that the previous partner you know that the the is acknowledged is is because they're still part of that relationship really mm-hmm. um yeah. and if the, if the new partner can accept that as well that's an important aspect and I do I have some friends who've been through it who find who the new partner finds it very hard to talk about that the, yeah the, yeah the one that's lost and, and you think well no they're not a they're not a threat yeah no no I mean if they, if they weren't gone yeah. you wouldn't be here exactly <laughs> um uh, uh, you know it's kind of it's all part of the journey and um yeah but it's been um it's, it's been all, rather wonderful it's all part of the it's part of you and it's part of them I suppose and if they're well, who I am now is different to who I was then and I'm not yeah. the person now that I was when Joy was alive I'm a different person because of what I've gone through and that's the person that, that Lisa's fallen in love with and and the person who has fallen in love with her is a slightly different person. And, and it's, it's, it's this journey. And, and yeah, and the kids, I think they're aware of that. They understand that. Um, and they're, they're pleased, you know, so. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I, I got that sense from the illustrations and, you know, you so beautifully sort of put that in, in the conversation that you had with Lily, particularly, you know there's this I got this sense of nervousness you know you're sort of there on the bed and and she's like yeah yeah no yeah that's fine like it's almost this sense of that's exactly how it should be and that's what I would want for you you know yeah yeah (laughs) they were very cool right early on they were sort of 
open to the concept of it very early because I think children live in their present and whatever and they were they remember saying to me right early on I mean literally like about three months after do you think do you think you'll get married again you know and I was like um can I just get used to this first sort of thing I think they they'd been watching marrying mum and dad on CBBS or whatever they just want <laughs> they wanted that, to do that <laughs> yeah yeah so um, but but it was kind of um it wasn't a concept that was alien to them right from the start which is very interesting but when it became a reality it was still quite a thing to sort of approach and go yeah. it's happening guys you know um yeah and yeah. uh yeah and it's been very organic obviously yeah yeah, yeah very much so. and um yeah but it's it's yeah it's well amazing <laughs> well i i have enjoyed this conversation so much i I feel really privileged actually to talk to someone who's so open and honest and and especially about something that's you know very very painful and difficult but you know you you're just incredible you've had this journey you've you've been on this journey and then you've been able to share it and as you said you know really 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 help lots of people in doing that um you know I think there's this this amazing sense of empathy at, at the core of everything that you've done um and I, so I, I just wanted to end with a question that I always end with. So, oh, right. yeah, so so the idea um, behind this tenderness revolution is this quality of tenderness. And it's a quality that we can have for ourselves and for others. And um, there are three C's that make up this this concept of tenderness because they now allow us to really fully see the truth about the way things are and the three c's are courage curiosity and compassion and mm -hmm. i wanted to ask you if you had to choose one of these qualities that really shows up the most in your life which would it be and why i'd like to think possibly gosh they're all there aren't they compassion I think yeah yeah that's what I thought Passion. I think understanding and feeling what other people are feeling mm -hmm. acknowledging that accepting that understanding that I think that's compassion it's another word for kindness really I think kindness yeah. is the most important I say to my children you know being kind is the most important quality you can have in life you know be a kind person don't be don't 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 be confrontational don't be mm -hmm unkind being kind is I think you know it you get you get back what you put in mm. if, if you are kind to other people kindness generally should find you and you know um I do think that's important I mean all three are brilliant are brilliant words I like them all and it's a hard choice but yeah I'm gonna go with compassion there we go you know I, I had a feeling that you would because that is what I get from you that's what I get when I I look at your drawings and I hear you speaking and it, it's so uh, it's remarkable because it, it it's not something that you often come across. And I think that you you do exude it very naturally. Um, but I think you you seem to have this sense of common humanity and there's this Buddhist concept, common humanity. I'm sure you're aware of it. And I, I think that seems to be what you do. It's like you you understand that you know, we feel pain, we feel suffering when, when we're lonely and when we have this, this misguided sense that what we're experiencing is, is different from other people, that, you know, we're going through something that no one else has been through. And actually, that's never 
true you know we we all it's like this circle of experiences that that you know that swirl around us and and we're all connected by them and you you it's as though you you knew that you tapped into it and you stepped into this journey of grief with that knowledge and I've done so much good well thank you that's really kind I've 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 sort of blushing <laughs> I mean I just sort of follow my instincts from day one and, and yeah. hope for the best and um you know I I just yeah I've had no plan it's just sort of gone on but yeah. people say nice to me like that and it you know it's 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 lovely I, I I'm very British and don't quite know how to take compliments but <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can all learn from you you know that's what I love oh, about what you do and um, that right. you're out there you're sharing so openly and honestly and you know uh, and not from a place of you know the surface you know you're share you're sharing from a very deep place from a very difficult place and and that's what we all learn sort of open up and share more and say how we genuinely feel there'd be a lot less problems wouldn't there <laughs> yeah I I really do think so yeah and I I think so much of of difficult behavior so much of of the the problems that show up in the world you know the really serious problems like things that are happening now as well as just the day-to-day conflicts they occur because of the stuff that we're carrying you know the stuff that we we haven't looked at that we haven't been willing to kind of acknowledge and again you know you you're you're you kind of outlined this wonderful practice you don't have to be you know a talented illustrator like you to just turn your attention towards you know what has happened with you that day or what you're feeling or or what you want to like you said give thanks for and then just find a way of of recording that in a in a sense and recording it makes you aware of it and it makes you aware of where you are and how lucky you are when you are and if you're not makes you aware of that and those are important self-awareness you know I mean yeah absolutely oh it's everything well thank you Gary thank you so much it's been lovely lovely. yeah I really appreciate your time my pleasure thank you for listening to this episode of the tenderness revolution I hope you come back for more because my aim with this podcast is to help us become more aware of these moments of kindness and compassion and how they shape our lives and enable us to feel more connected to the world around us. for listening to this episode of the tenderness revolution i hope you come back for more because my aim with this podcast is to help us become more aware of these moments of kindness and compassion and how they shape our lives and enable us to feel more connected to the world around us